ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Uh, we're back here with Travis. He's in Buenos Aires. So what's going on, man? I love Buenos Aires. Like this place is absolutely amazing. It's everything's walkable. There's tons of culture, amazing restaurants everywhere you go. And it's cheap too. So that's nice. But you're more into the girls there, I guess, right? I mean, the food, like that's what that draws you there, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's a little bit of everything. Uh, the big thing is the last three months, I pretty much had no social life. I was just working on the business. So now I'm coming here and I feel like it's going to be a lot easier to meet girls and make new friends. I mean, really, the big thing here I want to do is actually just make lots of new friends. There's something too, when you move to a different place or say like in California, you're like just another dude from California, right? But when you go to like Latin America, Asia, Europe, suddenly like, you know, you're a different person because you can not like reinvent yourself, but just compared to where you are, like supply and demand dynamics is just different. So yeah, absolutely. And another thing for me is the business is really doing well and I'm in a better place. Like before I felt like I constantly needed to be working because, oh, it's not doing as good as I want it to do. Now it's the sales have been doing really well. So I can kind of relax, you know? So, and you mentioned before we started that you guys hired a new sewer for the business or what's the deal with that? Yeah. So up until just this week, we had people that cut and did the packaging and everything else, but my mom was the only person actually sewing the clothing together. So that's a pretty huge bottleneck. Uh, so now we finally have a sewer and it kind of frees my mom to do some more oversight stuff and makes me worry a lot less because before it was kind of like, well, if something happens to her, the whole business crumbles. Now it, it can work even if she's sick or anything like that. Yeah. Awesome. All right. And so for me, I guess I finally made my first Amazon sale, although it was a week ago, but it was just interesting to see that email come in. And what's funny is that uh, I have it priced a lot higher on Amazon than my own site. So I guess the guy didn't Google my own site just to see if it was cheaper, but you know, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to complain. Right. So it was just interesting to see this Amazon sale come in and like, this is all, this is what it like, like, you know, to make money on Amazon, I guess. Yeah. Now, does Amazon have any kind of analytics or anything? I haven't found. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't really dug into it too. Maybe I just don't know where it is yet. Maybe someone listening now knows they can tell us where it is. But uh, yeah, right now, I don't know anything about that. So I guess uh, let's get into today's episode. So today we're going to talk about uh, kind of five ways that we use the outsourced help or VAs or kind of freelancers. So a kind of timely topic since you're in Buenos Aires now. So kind of interesting to see how you run things uh, while you're not at home in California with your mom. So... Uh, I guess first one uh, for me, photo editing. I know you'll kind of touch about this too. So basically I use uh, someone on Fiverr for a lot of product photos where uh, when you take it with like a DSLR, the background isn't always white, at least white in the sense that when you do Photoshop, it's not like the 0000 whatever color hex thing it is. So uh, usually I, I used to do this myself and I realized it's a huge waste of time to like sit around Photoshop and like figure out what's white, what isn't, and like, you know, mask everything together. When you can just pay someone, you know, $1 a photo for five bucks and like have just send like 20 of them to him and save like, God knows, like five hours of your time. So that's pretty much the biggest thing I use uh, photo editing for. Sometimes I do it for like overlay stuff. And like I try getting some lifestyle photos and overlaying the product on there. I like how some watch commercials do it, but it, and like, the quality isn't really there, so I'm still trying to figure that out too. So how do you ask them to do this? Do you just type it all out or? So for the white photo, I just tell them it's like a standard product photo. Usually they'll know, like I'll tell them, hey, it's for Amazon and I can copy and paste certain guidelines Amazon has. Uh, but for the lifestyle ones, I'll find like a watch poster I like or a sample and then I'll be like, hey, try to make something 
uh, like this. So you know how like the watch posters have like a guy in like a car, and then there'll be like a watch in the corner with like some quote and like a text. Like I try to do something like that, but I'm not a designer, so I need to like figure that out. And are these people that you hire off Fiverr? Where are they located usually? Most are in Philippines, maybe India. Once in a while, you'll find a guy in like Canada. Or Eastern Europe, I think those guys usually do pretty good. Um, so one of my friends recommended me a guy on Odesk, this like Slavic guy who was able to Photoshop uh, this spatula into like these kind of risque photos, like girls that are in bikinis. But he could Photoshop the spatula into their hands, and it was like it actually looked really good. So I guess maybe Odesk is a place for more like real graphic design work and things like that. And have you ever had problems with? Like communicating with them, or is it usually pretty straightforward? Not, not any issues on my side. I'm, I usually just go in the way that I assume they know nothing, and then just try to be as clear as possible. And I, you ask them to repeat if they understand everything. Okay. Usually that, that, that's helpful. Yeah, I ask because I find a lot of times with my VA, she's super smart and everything, but when I write out messages, it seems like she doesn't get it as much. So I tend to do screen recordings of everything. Even if it's like a small little thing, for the most part, I'll just do a quick screen recording and say, hey, you know, you messed up right here. Next time, try to do this instead. It actually works out really well because I have it so the screen recordings save into a Dropbox folder and I just tell her to check the Dropbox folder. I also have a Google Doc where I, I list out all the different tasks. So maybe, you know, I'll, I'll do the screen recording really quick and then I say, watch XYZ screen recording. Yeah, that way she has the entire workflow laid out instead of just on text. And then she has to figure out what this actually means, right? Yeah, exactly. And I have her, basically I tell her, okay, don't delete anything, but cross out like the, the line item when you're done with it, cross out the task. And then I'll go back in, make sure you did everything right and delete it. And usually I just trust her and I... If I see it's crossed out and it's something minuscule, I just delete it. But if it's kind of something I don't know if she'll understand how to do, I'll go in and quickly review her work and then either tell her, okay, you need to change this, this, and this, or just delete it so it creates space for more tasks. Yeah, I see. And what kind of tasks do you have her do? One of the big things I'll have her do is sending out coupons. So we have people... I think I might get rid of this soon, but right now we have a box in the upper right-hand corner of our website that people can enter their email for a $5 off coupon. And it automatically gives them the coupon code. But if, if they don't purchase them within like a couple days, I'll have my VA go back in and take all those people and send them out messages saying, hey, we noticed you didn't use your coupon. You know, it'll be good till the end of the week, so make sure you go and use it. Dude, you totally need this tool called a Clavalia. You can like automate this stuff. Like, so, so this tool, we're gonna go off topic. So I found on this tool about last week, and basically it's a dashboard that ties your shopping cart, email software, and analytics all in the same thing. So basically you can run certain triggers off this dashboard. So say if you want to find people that ordered over a thousand bucks from you, you can create a separate list and it'll go through your order history, cross check it with your MailChimp or whatever Aweber you're using, and they can filter this based off like a dynamic rule. And you can even do like things where say they've opened this email and then it'll set a trigger to resend them something like five days later, which is exactly what we're talking about. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to have to look into that. So you were saying, I asked you before if it works with Volusion uh, and does it, does it work with all shopping carts or is it? Yeah, uh, BigCommerce, Magento, Shopify, uh, Volusion, all that stuff. So I think the trigger is that you need to have the email box first and they need to be able to submit that before you go to the payment. Because most people drop the cart when they hit the payment stage, right? But when it's all on one page, they just abandon it and they don't even get their email to like 
Because until you click submit, when you put your email in, like nothing happens, right? But when you, but when your credit card information is on that same page and people just abandon it, you never get their email. Yeah. So like the people that have made it work, you have like kind of like a two step checkout, something like that. It might be worth testing testing too. So it's a really cool tool. I was told that like the the cool thing about the one page checkout is it is just it's a one step thing. But I understand what you're saying, and that makes it makes a lot of sense. So get their email right off the bat and the thing is this thing can also send card abandoned emails either four hours later two hours later 48 hours later and what's cool is that it includes what was in their cart and a picture of the product it automatically pulls it from the api from the shopping cart and then uh, say they actually do buy it you can segment them to like a buyer list and then two weeks later you can ask them for like a review with the picture of the product in there too it's like it super cool stuff wow so you have this implemented then yeah i just install, installed it today i'm still figuring it out but there's all these triggers you can do you can do like how many emails they've opened move them to a different list uh, did they abandon an order did you fulfill an order like i have all these different triggers and within this dashboard and even like certain autoresponder campaigns you can say like hey i want to send 10 emails to my existing customers after they bought it right you can even measure the revenues of that email campaign because it'll have a dashboard that tracks all the sales that come in because everything's linked together in the API, right? So it's like it's like the best dashboard ever. Uh, I'm gonna go to your website. And I'm gonna put in my email. I'm gonna see see how you'd get this going. I'm very curious now. Yeah. So right now it's set for four hours and forty eight. Uh, so you put it now today. Whenever I guess tomorrow when you wake up or later in the day you'll probably pop up. And and, and it's cool too. It's like free for the first. 250 users and 500 emails you send out to, and then it scales uh, based on your user too. So yeah, and I, I have heard email marketing is one of the like best ROIs you can get. It's super, relatively, it's super cheap, and these people are already highly qualified. You already paid to get them to your site, either through SEO or AdWords or whatever. So that makes a, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. That's interesting. Yeah, I think the challenge is that building that email list starting out. Like I only have like what 50 people on the list so it's probably not that useful but like someone that has like a thousand two thousand people there's probably a lot they're missing out on too all right cool so i guess we got a little off topic you were saying you were sending you were having your va uh send coupons out uh, anything else because for me it was photos you is kind of this uh, anything else before we move on to the next one? another one is uh blog posts so we have the blog and i've talked about it before where we interview dance studios and i have a person that writes the article but then i have my va take it post it into the WordPress document, take a couple different pictures and post it into the article to make it look more professional so it's not just a bunch of text. And then I have her go through and do the alt text on all the images, uh, change the, the meta tag titles so they look really good, and the meta description as well. Gotcha, so on your blog, it's you guys have someone hired to write it or? I actually, my grandma does it. She, we, we do pay her, we do pay her, but it's uh, so it's a whole family affair. We pay her basically like a dollar per hundred words. So, which you can find on Fiverr and I've, I've hired people off Fiverr before and you get pretty good quality. Uh, I'm surprised how good a quality you get. Yeah, I heard it's, it's hit or miss too, a lot of the stuff on Fiverr, at least for me. I don't know, I never hired anyone for writing, but. Oh, the way we do it is we actually interview the people. So. All I really want someone to do is take the answers that they created and put them into an article format. So it's relatively straightforward. Gosh, so you guys record like an interview and then they transcribe it plus make it into an article. No, we just actually send them a Word document saying, here's seven questions. You know, when you get a chance, fill out these questions and send them back to us. I'm trying to make it as uh, easy for me to do as possible. That way I can do it all remotely. I can send out 
a hundred emails at once to dance studios. And then the responses I get, my VA actually just sends out, you know, thank you for responding. Can you fill out these questions? But we do it a little bit more. So it sounds a little bit nicer kind of thing. You're more personable than some raw machine that's cranking out 200 block posts yeah, a month. exactly. Uh, I guess uh, next point, I guess it's me. So I've used uh, some people on Fiverr or Otis to do research before. This is when I first started out. Uh, just to like look at competitors, uh, you can kind of have them do backlink research. Uh, or just like keyword research. Uh, sometimes they don't really plot the best data, but you know it saves yourself from sitting around in the Google keyword tool and like digging around in there. So how do you actually have them? What do you actually have them do then? I'll have them do like uh, market research. So I'll have them like, hey, find me uh, the top fashion blogs within this space, or like give me the keywords, like give me the search volume for this keyword and things like that. So kind of just really mundane tasks that are SEO related. I'll have them search for that too. Something I did is I actually got the the link like all the backlinks that go to all my competitors. And what I had somebody do is I, I gave them the links of the URLs and I said, okay, give me the emails of all of these websites where I could potentially get a backlink from that same website. Because you don't want to be digging through all the about us pages looking for the emails. Exactly. Or the Twitter handles, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Uh, next point, uh, I guess you have repetitive tasks. There's a couple different parts to that. Actually, so going back to the blog posts, for every blog post, we create a little like image. And now the image has a picture of the person that we interviewed, a, a line on it that says you know, such and such, we interviewed such and such dance studio. And sometimes now what we started doing is having a quote. So I'll have a picture of the person, I think the name of the studio somewhere and a quote from the article, such as, you know, the, the best thing to do in dance is X, Y, and Z. So that kind of captures people's attention. And what I have my VA do is post that across all our social media. And she's able to do that pretty easily with Hootsuite, but it's just, it's repetitive. It's something that I don't want to have to do. So I want to basically be able to send an email to a dance studio in bulk. Everything from there is pretty automated. I don't want to have to go in and do like, okay, let me create this image. Let me post it on our, you know, through Hootsuite on all our social media. So that's one thing I'll do. This, this reminds me of something I read recently. There was a, I listened to like this podcast, uh, This American Life a lot. And there was something about on Lifehacker, how he crafts a whole episode. And he was saying, when you when you tell stories, like in school, you, you think, hey, I have this topic and I'm gonna write facts that support it, right? But for like entertainment or like blogs, like it actually doesn't work that way. The way you should do it is you pre present a story like how you would tell a friend. And usually within certain stories, there are th like five or six moments or whatever that are really killer, that really make the story work, right? And the way you tell the story is that you structure it around those moments that you like when you tell a friend, and you have quotes throughout the interview that people say or things like that to make supporting things. So I think when people use quotes to kind of start stories, it's always kind of like this interesting angle instead of like, oh, like, you know, this was a cool dancer you have instead of like this quote saying, oh, you know, I had this orange dancer at my first competition and it was awesome or something like that. So kind of interesting thing I'm trying to figure out now too is like when you craft content, like how do you make it more engaging and more interesting than just some like list post? So mm. now, now I have a question for you. It's kind of off topic, topic, but have you ever gotten like testimonials from any of the people that buy your wallets and like post them on your website at all or not really? Yeah, I just take the emails uh, from the Gmail and then I, I'll probably like delete some stuff that's super flourish and then I'll just post it on there in like an image. So Do you have like a picture like of the people with the wallet or just usually the quotes kind of thing? No, it's just the quotes and then the name and then country. I should get a picture, but I don't really, I haven't asked them for it yet. So maybe I should, might be worth doing. 
Do you do that? Or? Yeah, so that's actually something I just realized that I do with my VA too is I think we have almost 50 pictures with quotes and I have you know one big page that has all the pictures and has the quotes. And then another thing we'll do, and this probably wouldn't be quite as much help for you, but may- maybe it would be actually, I don't know, is I have her go back in and on Pinterest, pin all the different quotes. So that's something we just started doing too. Actually, uh, maybe it would be big for you because I'm sure a lot of women are on Pinterest and want to buy stuff for their husband. We also have the testimonials on each product page. Like for instance, if someone's wearing, you know, high waist dance shorts on the page where you can buy the high waist dance shorts, we have like a separate tab that says testimonials. So we'll actually pin it on that page as opposed to we have another page that's just testimonials for every product that we've done. And originally we pinned them from that. But the problem is if someone goes from Pinterest to the website, I don't want them landing on the testimonials page. I want them landing on the product page. I think Pinterest just had these, the ad accounts enabled, right? Like the paid ads you can run against people's pages or something. I haven't looked into it yet, but I don't know. Have you? I've been wondering if they have that. We just got started on Pinterest about a week ago. We do about a hundred a day. We'll go to our competitors, Pinterest boards and follow the people that are either following them or that they're following. I just want to make sure not do too many because I don't want to get banned by Pinterest. I don't know what the range is that's allowed, basically. So you're seeing who's following them and who are they following to figure out who you should do outreach to or follow also. Exactly. And on Twitter, interestingly enough, I found that you're better off following the people for instance, one of our competitors is Dancewear Solutions. So I went through and followed all the people that they're following because they were following about 2,000 people because I assume those people are more likely to follow you back and that's why they would follow them in the first place. And it seemed to be true. Intuitively, at first, I thought that I should follow whoever's following Dancewear Solutions, for instance. They're less likely to follow you back, it seemed like. Yeah, it's more like who are they following that they care about, they want to keep tabs on. Yeah, exactly. My head's kind of spinning here with the different follow this, follow that. (laughs) Yeah, I I know. I think basically when this company, any company starts at first, you tend to, you'll follow, you know, a bunch of random people, for instance, and whoever follows you back, you'll make sure you continue to follow them. You won't unfollow them. I let my competition do that work for me. I say, okay, tell me who are the most likely people that are to follow me back. And it's the people that are mutually being followed by the competition. But it's like, in the end, does this really help you generate revenue? Like following people here and there? Like, I, I kind of doubt it. I mean, have you seen anything with it? Or? Off Pinterest, yes. Off Pinterest, for sure. Twitter isn't really our platform as much. Really, the best way I've, I can find to get lots of, to quickly get lots of people to follow us is to follow them because then they get a little notice saying, hey, this person followed you. And there's a chance that they're going to look at us. Otherwise, it's hard for them to find us, you know? Yeah, well, and because just both of what we do is more visually based, so it makes sense to be on Pinterest than Twitter. I guess Twitter is like a customer service tool or outreach tool, like conversation tool with people. I take back what I said. I've, I've gotten messages on Twitter from people that are like, oh my God, you know, I one person said like, I blog about dance where I'm going to definitely write about your stuff soon. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, well, so it's like more outreach, right? Rather than actual product ads or whatever. Yeah, especially because my service or my business, how do I explain it? It's something that's kind of unique. So people might really want a pair of like a specific color of a specific type of dancer that they can't find anywhere else. Yeah. All right, cool. So I guess this brings me to the last thing. Uh, We were talking about social media and VA. So one thing I realized is that 
like we follow a lot of internet guys i can always tell when they're using some va to post social media stuff i don't know why i could just feel it it just looks really kind of tacky i guess or? yeah no i've had a similar experience I still let my VA do some things, but in the past, I let her completely do all the tweets. It works. Sometimes it'll work out because some things are very algorithmic. Some things are very like, okay, go to the site, take this dance quote, put hashtag dance, whatever. But then there's other times where she would word things slightly incorrectly and it just sounds kind of sounds kind of goofy. Got to be careful with that. Yeah, unless you like pre-write everything they need to post on their to make it easier or something like that but but even then it's like i don't know something something just seems weird when it's not the real person posting or i guess like it's like you look at like the celebrity accounts like donald trump i don't know if he's posting but sometimes you can just tell they have there's like their team that's doing it so. yeah i think what i'm gonna start doing is just having her do all the posts schedule them all in hootsuite and then i go back through and just kind of make some changes i don't want to have to shrink the url and upload the image and do all that kind of like little tedious stuff i just want to be able to quickly yeah, type that makes sense because then you just you know because the bulk of the annoying part is the scheduling you know i think just anything you can make algorithmic anything that you can and i really enjoy doing this for me it's really fun to say okay how can i take this task and make it just completely algorithmic so one thing i I'm currently working on is on all our different product pages because we have five different types of fabric and each type of fabric has, you know, 20 or to 40 different colors. And on each page, I want to have like a, a color chart comparing it, but I want it to be as SEO targeted as possible. So what I did is I created these five different color charts and replaced keywords with things such as product name. And so what I'm going to have my VA actually do is do control F type in you know the product name and replace that with whatever the product is. So for instance, on the jazz pants color chart, it'll say red jazz pants swatch as the alt image tag. So that way Google knows, hey, this is representing jazz pants and things like that I, I think are really fun and something that you can do with your VA. Because I have probably 150 different uh, item fabric combinations. And for me to go through and do that with each one is tedious. It's something I don't want to do. You can make it algorithmic. So I think always be thinking, how can I make this thing into just a complete algorithm that someone can kind of blindly follow? And it also kind of helps you when you're doing your own stuff. It helps you realize, okay, this is actually pretty basic. I just need to use the find function and replace function, stuff like that. Yeah, I think the way when you do it and it's like, it's something you can do repetitively and like, you don't even have to think about it. That's when you know you can make like a document out of it like step one step two all this stuff and like make it come easy so yeah i guess for anyone that's looking to start uh basically what do you do repetitively that you can do without thinking and you can make it into like a step one to step 10 or step 20 process and then just try handing it out to someone maybe like someone on fiverr just experiment you know throw five bucks at it uh, give them the guide and see what they do wrong and then you can tweak it from there and kind of optimize it uh forever and another thing i find is when i decide okay i'm gonna try to make this as easy as possible to explain to someone, I find shortcuts that I didn't realize existed. So for instance, I, I had this task that I figured would take, you know, 10 to 15 hours. But then I realized when I'm like talking about, okay, this is the steps I want you to do that I could just do the entire thing in Excel and create like a formula and it would be done in less than an hour. So there's a lot of times I'm, I go to give her a task and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, I can do this in Five to ten minutes. Yeah, like if you like combine words together or something like that, you just do like Excel, cell merge, 
things like that yeah yeah but like that's for another episode since you know software is eating, software is eating the world so. you need to start thinking everyone should start thinking about how how you can make this into an algorithm that you know someone flipping burgers at mcdonald's would be able to figure out make it as simple as possible and you'll surprise yourself on how much of your workload you're able to offload you know by using this stuff yeah, well, the point is that it frees you to do more important stuff or Absolutely. more scalable revenue generating stuff, too. So uh, I guess that's it for this episode. If you guys have any questions, comments, uh, shoot us an email, uh, terry at buildmyonlinestore.com or travis at buildmyonlinestore.com. And I guess uh, enjoy Ben Osiris. And I guess we'll catch up next week. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Build My Online Store podcast. If you want the show notes, make sure to check out the website at buildmyonlinestore.com. If you've got an e-commerce store, every two weeks I lead a live mastermind call with about five or six of the listeners in two separate groups where we work openly together and solve a business problem that you have. And we're all there to support each other. So if this sounds like a cup of tea, make sure to check us out at buildmyonlinestore.com slash mastermind. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch up with you guys next week.